It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ron Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. On today's show, we're going to do the three big things from the impressive win over the Los Angeles Lakers. And also, we're going to preview tonight's game against the Memphis Grizzlies. But let's start with the three big things from the win over the Lakers that we did not get to in yesterday's full recap. The number one big thing from that game was the three-point resurgence might not have been real. And if you remember back to the three scrimmages, if you remember back to the game against Utah to open up the seeding games, this team was shooting the ball very well from beyond the arc. Not so much the last two nights as you look and play against contenders in Denver And in Los Angeles, the three-point shooting was just not there. They had open looks each game. They just did not fall. So maybe it was a bit premature to be celebrating the resurgence of the three-ball in Oklahoma City after three scrimmages and one seeding game. That's going to be something to look for against Memphis, who has not played good defense. They haven't played well at all. Still looking for their first win inside the bubble, and they have to do it without one of their best players, which we'll talk about here pretty soon. But... Uh, The three-point shooting might have been fool's gold uh, during the scrimmage period and during uh, that first seeding game against a Utah team uh, that has not looked good either and that we knew coming in was going to be shorthanded without without Bogdanovich. Uh, So the three-point shooting is something to monitor moving forward. That was a big complaint about the win over the Lakers. Uh, Number two is that Shea still has another gear to get to. Uh, And uh, he he didn't play bad in in the Lakers game. It it was... uh, It was a good game for him. The problem is, again, he still has that another gear to get to. Uh, He didn't look too comfortable at times. His shot was so flat. There's still, with as good as a well-rounded game as he played, there's still another gear he can go to, and that should give a lot of Thunder fans excitement about what this team can do because even without Shea hitting on all cylinders, even with... Chris Paul making uncharacteristic turnovers. Even with all of that, 
You still beat the Lakers who played LeBron and AD 30 minutes a night, uh, 30 minutes last night. You still beat them by 20 points. So that's something you can really uh, take joy in is that Shea can go to that next level. And I really want to see it against Memphis tonight. I really want to see Shea perform against Memphis. He's going up against John Morant, but I also think that the, the perimeter defenders that, that Memphis throws out there are not going to be able to contain Shea. And in a game like this, where the Grizzlies have been getting just drug up and down the floor through these first few seeding games, and you hope to do the same, you want to limit veteran minutes like Chris Paul. You want to be able to get him out of the game and feel comfortable with your lead, which leads to more minutes with Shea at the point guard. I want to see Shea take that next step in his game uh, the way he did in the scrimmages. I want to see him do that in the seeding games, and I want to see him do it against Memphis because I do think that this is a perfect opportunity for him to get going. And then the third thing was that this team without Dennis is still good. It's still a good team, but adding him back, of course, will be huge. Uh, they can get by without Dennis Schroeder. I, I, I was fearful that this Thunder team without Dennis would just be atrocious because you, where's the scoring coming from off the bench? And they did struggle with that at times, and we mentioned putting Gallo back in there uh, with that bench unit to kind of spark some, some scoring down the stretch of that first half to really keep you uh, in control of that game. Uh, but... Adding Dennis back is going to be so huge for this team. And I know that that people are yelling about Denver not having their starters. This year, just looking at one year at a time, Dennis Schroeder is better than Jamal Murray, and he's better than Gary Harris this year. So adding Dennis, losing Dennis for that game against Denver was a big deal. Uh, So adding him back will be awesome. And given how early he had the birth of his second kid and given the fact that he's said all along he wants to return – Uh, makes me feel like he's going to be back before the playoffs. So having him back for whatever playoff matchup there is, is going to be big. And you're going to enter here a huge stretch of games for the Thunder. Uh, Yes, you dropped the game against Denver. You could easily be 3-0 right now. Uh, But coming up, you have Memphis, you have Washington, and you have Phoenix. Now, Phoenix is playing great basketball right now, uh, but eventually you'd have to assume that they'll kind of fall back to the mean. They'll fall back to regress back to where they were throughout the course of the season. But still, they're playing good basketball. You're still better than them, though. And then you've got Memphis, who's playing just god-awful basketball and is in danger of falling out of that eighth seed, much less hosting a play-in tournament, but falling out completely of the playoff picture. Uh, so you're going to get Memphis, and then Washington didn't even bring half the roster. John Wall, Bradley Beal, Davis Bertans, they're all sitting at home right now, and they weren't a good team to begin with. So... You look at this stretch, and the Thunder should go 3-0 right here. And this is a this is a pivotal point in the schedule for Oklahoma City. You need these wins because, uh, look, it's too early right now still to be looking at the standings because of how close everyone is. It is an absolute mess from 2 through 7 uh, right now in the standings. It's, it's a mess to even look at it. Uh, but you're still in danger of playing the Clippers in that first round, and, and that would be absolutely devastating for this team. So you really just need to avoid the Clippers. You really do. Home court doesn't matter, but matchups do. I've said that this entire time, and that would be a huge matchup to avoid is avoiding the Clippers. And so I I really think that when the dust settles eventually and we get through these eight seeding games, the Thunder will land at about four or five. They'll take on either Utah or Houston, and they'll move on from there. But we're not going to get too far ahead of ourselves. We're going to preview the game against the Memphis Grizzlies. Let's start with the game overview. Jaron Jackson Jr. is out with a torn meniscus for the Memphis Grizzlies. They're a young wing. He was involved in the Luka draft a couple of years ago. 
I hate this for the guy. I mean, he was playing so well. He's a part of not only their best lineup, but without him on the floor, they're like a minus 44 inside the bubble. I mean, they're just god-awful without Jaron Jackson Jr. on the floor, uh, and they weren't playing particularly well with him. Again, they haven't won a game yet inside the bubble. So this is a tough blow for Memphis. It's a really tough blow for him, and, and he's going to be back. He's still a young guy. Uh, he's still a great player, uh, but this is a tough blow for them. For the Thunder, you won't have Dennis Schroeder. Uh, it's unknown if you'll have Terrence Ferguson or Mike Muscala, uh, but you also need to monitor Steven Adams, and, and I'm sure that he'll want to play. I'm sure that he'll even want to start this game, but I hope that we come on this podcast after the game, and when you look at that box score, Nerlens Noel has played more minutes than Steven Adams because uh, there shouldn't be a need to push Steven Adams. There shouldn't be a need to push Chris Paul. Now, it gets a little more dicey, with Chris Paul, whenever you consider the fact that they don't have Dennis Schroeder, uh, so your your guard depth is obviously depleted. But at the end of the day, you should find time to get Paul out of there and get some rest. Adams out of there, get some rest. Gallo out of there and get some rest. And rely on Lou Dort. Rely on Shea. Uh, rely on these young guys. And hopefully uh, you can get some more young guys to step up along the way. Uh, so that's kind of the game overview. Again, Memphis still searching for their first win. The Thunder is trying to capitalize on their momentum that they've gained from beating the Lakers. Uh, and then you move into the what to watch for. Steven Adams is the top guy to watch for, I think, just given the knee injury that he suffered uh, against the Lakers. I thought it was going to be an ankle injury, but he says he hurt his knee. Uh, given that, you want to see how he moves up and down the floor in hopefully the limited minutes that he does get uh, tonight against the Grizzlies. Hopefully he looks good. And, and, you know, he really has a good test to go up against in Jonas Valanciunas uh, because that's a down-low presence who can also stretch the floor. He can kind of do a little bit of everything. Now, he's not elite at anything, but he can kind of do a little bit of everything uh, down-low for, for the Grizzlies. So I really want to see how Adams can match up with him dealing with that knee injury. But hopefully, again, I, I hope that he either doesn't play period or that he plays, but he still plays less than Nernish Noel. And that's a huge benefit for the Thunder, for having a center uh, who is as good as Nerlens Noel. Nerlens Noel, I think, could be a center for a lot of this league. I think that uh, while he's not a starting center the same way Dennis is a starting point guard, Dennis can be a starting point guard uh, for contending teams. I don't think Nerlens Noel can be a starting point, a starting center for contending teams, but I do think he can be a starting center uh, for like a middle-of-the-road team or, of course, a team not in the playoffs, and yet you have him in Oklahoma City as your backup. And so this is going to be a huge benefit of having Nerlens Noel if you can just get a ton of minutes out of him against Memphis. Another another person to watch for is Chris Paul. Uh, we talked about the rest factor with him as well, being up there in age, but he has not looked sharp inside this bubble. He really hasn't. He's had some un uncharacteristic turnovers. At times, he's settled for some bad shots. Overall, he's played very well. Overall, he's been the leader you want him to be on the floor. He's been someone who calms down the offense. He's been someone uh, who can you can really rely on down the stretch of games. But he had a few missteps against Denver. He had a few uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic turnovers against Los Angeles. You want to see him clean that up against a subpar Memphis team and really kind of kick it back into high gear. Because in, in my opinion, if Chris Paul is healthy and he's playing well heading into the postseason – uh, that has just another dynamic. And it's not like he's playing poorly, but there are still some things that he needs to clean up as we move forward here inside the bubble. I do want to tell you that another thing that you want to look for is starting your mornings with the news that matters most in just 10 minutes. Axios Today host Nyla Badu and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. 
Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we talked about this earlier. I want to see what Shea can do against a Grizzly team in which I'm not really fearful of any of their perimeter defenders. I think that in this matchup, you can get the switches you want onto the Grizzlies post players. I want to see really what Shea can do because if his shot still looks flat, if he still looks uncomfortable, if he still looks out of rhythm, you've got to wonder if there's some injury or if there's something plaguing him inside the bubble because while he's looked good and and that stretch in the fourth quarter against Denver was just incredible. Uh, His shot looked flat yesterday. It looked like he was leaving everything short. You wonder if he has his legs under him or what's going on with Shea. If he struggles against his Memphis team, it'll be cause for concern in Oklahoma City. I think that he'll be fantastic. I think that he'll be someone that you are going to be tweeting about all day long tomorrow against Memphis. And you can follow along on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. But I, I think that Shea is fantastic. I really do. And I think that he'll show it again against Memphis. They just will not have enough people to contain him. Uh, but I do want to talk about the perimeter defense as well because without Jaron, you know, without Jaron Jackson Jr., the only threat the Memphis Grizzlies have right now is John Morant. And he's an explosive point guard. He compares his game to Russell Westbrook. He grew up loving Russell Westbrook. And whenever you watch him, uh, you see a young Russell Westbrook, but you also see a young Russell Westbrook if he could shoot. And that's what Ja can do. He's that dynamic. He's that elite uh, with his speed to the basket, but he can also shoot a bit from outside. I want to see how Lou Dort can keep up with that speed. And especially Andre Robertson. Because we've gotten a mixed bag from Andre. Now, he only played five minutes against Utah, so let's just throw that game out. But you look against Denver. There were times in which Michael Porter Jr. multiple times beat him with that first step. But then there were times late in the game where he shuts down Troy Daniels, and and he is a great perimeter defender in certain spots. And then you look at what happened against the Lakers, and in certain spots, he got beat on the first step. But then he altered the drive of LeBron James, like five different instances of flustering and frustrating LeBron when LeBron is trying to drive to the basket. So I want to see what Andre can do and if he's kind of easing back into things and if he uh, can become a perimeter defender again, because uh, right now I'm still leaning towards him being a post defender, uh, him guarding about the four or the five position even, uh, and and staying down low for most of the game. And then late in the game, he transitions, and whenever you need a big stop, he can go out there on a perimeter player like a LeBron, like a John Morant. Uh, But I want to see what he can do against a quick, speedy, shifty guard in John Morant and see if he can keep up and see if he can compete with John. Of course, you know you're going to throw Lou Dort at him. You're going to throw Hamidou Diallo at him. And that leads me into my next thing to watch for is that's Hamidou Diallo because Diallo's been a bit of a wild card with all of this. Uh, he looks really good against Utah. He looks all right at best against Denver. And then he looks really good against Los Angeles. What Diallo are we going to get against Memphis? And moving forward here, is he closer to what he was against LA? And against LA, he was an efficient scorer. He was an he was an energy giver on defense. He was getting in the passing lanes. He was deflecting passes, contesting shots. He was, he was doing everything you need him to do defensively as, as well as being a 
legitimate scorer and an efficient scorer when driving to the basket, which for him is something he's had to work on. So where does he kind of level out at, Hamadou Diallo? Where does he kind of fit into this big picture here as we move forward and these games start mattering more and the postseason gets comes around? Where does he level out at? Where is his marking point going to be? I also, the last thing to watch for for me is Darius Baisley. And I mentioned this. He had a dreadful game against L.A. He really did. By every metric, he had a terrible game. Uh, But he always made the right play in that game. And even when the shot didn't fall, uh, even when he couldn't finish at the rim, he always made the right decision. I want to see it click for Darius Baisley because this is a bad defensive team in Memphis. This is a bad overall team against Memphis. When he's in the game, he's going to be going up against the likes of Josh Jackson. So I want to see if Darius Baisley can perform. Can he show up against Memphis? Can those shots fall? Can he get going at the rim? Can he provide you something? I really want to see what Baisley can do. Now, this game will be interesting for many reasons. Uh, it, it's one of the games that matters equally as much for both teams. Uh, there is no uh, one side not caring or one side uh playing their guys, but doesn't look inspired. For the Thunder, again, you're trying to move up these standings. You're trying to avoid a matchup with the Clippers. You're trying to avoid uh, possibly a matchup with Denver. You're trying to get a matchup with uh, Houston or a matchup with Utah. Uh, You're trying to move up these standings. I understand the picking implications. I don't think that they're worried about that in their locker room. I think that they're trying to move up the standings and trying to avoid and get the best first-round draw that they can. And it's not, it's not getting their pick back at the cost of playing the Clippers. It's not getting their pick back at the cost of playing the Nuggets. That's not the best option for them. So they're going to want to win this game. For Memphis, you've literally gone winless inside the bubble right now. And you, given the, the nature of what the Suns have done, given what Portland has done, you are in danger of not only having to do a play-in game after being the solidified eight seed, but you're in danger of there being a play-in game that you're not involved in. That's how far down they can fall if they keep losing here. And they should lose this game. The Thunder are a much better team than them. The Thunder should win this game. And if you remember, whenever I predicted the schedule, I said that the Grizzlies would win this game, but that was before Jaron Jackson Jr. won, got injured, and that was before this team just looked disengaged inside the bubble because this should have meant more for Memphis. They should be fighting for their playoff lives. And now, even though they still have that eight seed, collectively around the NBA, uh, the feeling is that, they, that they've lost it, that they've lost the chance to be in the postseason. Uh, we've kind of moved on. We've kind of been talking about Portland. We've been talking about uh, you know, the Phoenix Suns. We've been talking about uh, the Pelicans who lost again today to the Kings. We've been talking about everyone but them. And this is their last-ditch effort. If they lose against Oklahoma City, put a fork in them. This is their last rally if they want to get that eight seed, if they want to move on to the postseason. And this is going to be the first time that they play without Jaron Jackson Jr., who was a part of their best lineup, who, again, without him on the floor, they're like a minus 44 without him on the floor. He's that good. He's that impactful for their team. You're going to need to see Brandon Clark step up, who the Thunder drafted and traded for, uh, Darius Basley. You're going to need to see those kind of guys step up around him and, and even Josh Jackson have a resurgence. I just am not sure if that's going to be possible. I'm really not. So this game is going to be interesting because it matters to both teams. The keys to the game in this one, you know, really you just can't start slow. I think that if you start fast and you can get out to a 10-point lead, you can keep them at arm distance. You can you can do what you did against LA. Start fast, 
keep them at bay the whole game and then move on. I, I don't think that this team in Memphis will have a lot of fight left in them if they get down early, given all the losses that they've had, and then given the loss of Jaron Jackson, Jaron Jackson Jr., I think if this team gets down early in Memphis, uh, they're going to go quietly into the night, and you're going to be able to keep guys at bay. You're going to be able to rest Steven Adams. You're going to be able to rest Chris Paul. I think that you're going to need to get up early on this team, and that's going to take Gallo shooting good from downtown. That's going to take Lou Dort hitting his open shots. If Lou Dort can hit his open shots, this offense really evolves to a next to a new level here. Uh, but we're not sure if they're going to have Terrence Ferguson or Mike Muscala, and of course having no Dennis Hurts, the ability to rest Chris Paul when you don't have another point guard outside of Shea. Uh, again, Lou Dort has played that point guard position in college. He, he has played it some inside the bubble, uh, but... It's not it's not working too well with him at point guard. Uh, the, the offense is stagnant. The offense is scoring with him at point guard. Uh, so you do want to see uh, him improve in that aspect as well. If you want to watch for something else, that would be Lou Dort at point guard. Uh, but really the keys to the game, make your open shots, unlike you did against LA. You, you missed a ton of open shots. Make your open shots and then really just try in the first quarter because I, I truly think you can demoralize this team if you get out in front in that first quarter and, and they feel buried along with the pressure of losing Jaron Jackson Jr., along with the pressure of losing. So after the break, we're going to talk more about this Thunder team as a whole and what's coming up this weekend. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. One of the big talking points around this Thunder team right now is their first-round pick. And their first-round pick is 1 through 20 protected. Uh, and if it falls to the number 21, it goes to the 76ers. If it's within that 20 range, it'll stay in Oklahoma City. And it's kind of left fans a little bit perplexed about what to do and what to root for. And you really see some fans rooting for wins. Some fans are rooting for that pickback. To me, I've looked at this draft class since the beginning of college basketball season this is a shallow draft class in terms of in terms of talent that will help you overhaul your organization. Uh, but in terms of role players, it's a very, very deep draft class. So the question becomes, do you want a better chance at moving out of the first round this year? Or do you want a chance at maybe possibly getting a role player? Because that's the ceiling of a lot of the of most of these guys that you're gonna find in picks twenty-one uh, or twenty through whatever the Thunder can end up getting. Really, it's going to be that 20 mark. They're either going to make it, they're either going to make the mark at 20, or they're going to fall to 21 and owe their pick to the 76ers. So at 20, you're either going to get a role player, and you're going to hope he's a role player, that is, uh, or you can slide to 21, give that pick to the 76ers, and then just go ahead and, and have a better matchup for you in the first round. And, and for me, the answer is simple. A route to get out of the first round for the first time since Kevin Durant left. Uh, this is going to be, I think, I think one of your last chances to watch a competitive team in Oklahoma City, at least for a couple of years. Uh, I think that while there are some arguments for keeping this team together, and we can talk all about that throughout the offseason, uh, there are some, some very good arguments for keeping this team together. I think ultimately Sam Presti will trade away Chris Paul, and at that point there's no point to keep around uh, Gallinari, so you'll, you'll sign and trade him hopefully and get some asset back for him. And 
as the pieces start to move, you, you then move to Dennis Schroeder on expiring contract getting traded. You move to Steven Adams on expiring contract, maybe getting traded. And this team embraces the tank and has a high pick in the next draft. So I'm going to root for this team getting a better first round matchup because that pick to me, doing the research I've done on this draft class, is at best a role player. That's the best it'll ever be is a role player. And if you look at the uh, assets the Thunder already have, they have enough to trade into the first round. They, they do. They have 15 future first-round picks. Brian Winhorst of ESPN is reporting that teams are going to be looking to trade first-round picks this year to save money uh, with, with the salary cap projected to go down because of the China incident and, of course, because of canceling games and losing ticket revenue as well. So teams are going to be willing to move out of that first round. If you love somebody at, at pick 15 or pick 20 or whatever pick you miss out on inside the bubble – you can go get that pick back if you're Sam Presti. You can go get that pick. You really can. It's not going to be too hard to trade back into this draft. It really isn't because teams are going to be looking for future assets because the 2021 class is loaded, the 2022 class is loaded, and even the 2023 class is loaded. This class is not loaded. Now, it's not as bad as people say it is. Again, it does not have the Zion. It does not have the Trey Young. It does not have the Luka Doncic. It has about one or two of those guys who maybe can be a franchise pillar, but it does have about 50 role players in this draft, which is a good thing. I mean, there's 50 players I look at, and I can make a case for them being a legitimate role player on a legitimately good team in the NBA for a long time. Now, they're obviously not all going to pan out, but there's a ton of potential there. So the draft class as a whole gets a bad rap, but I don't think it's worth quote-unquote tanking for in this this bubble. I think you go out there and try to win every game and try to get the best first-round matchup that you possibly can. That's just my opinion. Uh, To me, I think that people have kind of overcorrected on this draft class a little bit uh, because throughout the season, it was so terrible, so terrible, so terrible. And now as the Thunder get closer and closer to actually losing that draft pick, fans are freaking out and like acting like it's the end of the world. It's not. You don't need this draft pick. If you want to get back into this draft, it'll be incredibly easy. Not only are teams trying to save money for the future, they're also trying to acquire more picks on the back end on these next couple of drafts where you have a Cade Cunningham. And Cade Cunningham is going to be an elite player. He's projected to go number seven next year. And I think he's an elite player. And he's number seven. In this draft class, he'd be number one by a long shot. So uh, you look at how deep these next few classes are. Teams not only want to shed money this this year, they also want to get more picks in those classes. If you want somebody that bad, you can just trade into it. You don't need to lose games in the bubble and hurt your chances of winning. And again, uh, to me, it's not a done deal that the Thunder tank. To me, there's still a lot to discuss here. Uh, and, And that's where Sam Presti can sit back and play with house money. We've used that phrase throughout this entire season with Oklahoma City, the house money phrase. Uh, But it's true because I don't think any of you recoiled at the fact that I said they could tank. I don't think any of you shivered uh, and and were upset at that notion. I don't think any of you were upset at the notion that they could keep this team together and try to build with it. You have Chris Paul. You have the chance to re-sign Gallinari. You have 15 first-round picks to trade and maybe add a veteran to the squad. Now, not an Avery Bradley, not a Devin Booker, but a, a... talented and good player added for depth you have Andre returning to the basketball floor not only this year uh, but if he's already this good to lock down LeBron for four possessions this year how good can he be when he knocks the rest off if you re-sign him this offseason and bring him back next year 
there's a lot of positive signs about this team and a lot of positivity around this team uh, and a lot of reasons you can keep this team together because Chris Paul, uh, while I'm sure he wants to contend, I'm sure he wants to compete, he does love Billy Donovan. He loves the young group here. He's loved Oklahoma City since he was here with the Hornets. He's always raved about this city. Uh, so I think that Chris Paul's comfortable. I don't think that he'll, I don't think that he'll uh, automatically demand a trade. Now, he might still demand a trade, but I don't think it's an automatic sure thing that he demands that trade. So there's a lot of moving parts here, and I don't think that there's a wrong move for Sam Presti. I don't think anyone would care uh, in the sense of I don't think anyone would be mad if he decides to tank. I don't think anyone would be mad if he decides to go for it. I really don't. Uh, but the bottom line is, for the first time in the Thunder's history, there's uncertainty. You don't know what's going to happen next year. You don't know if this team is going to be a playoff team. You don't know if this team is going to be a bottom dweller. All you know is that these next five games in the bubble and then the post, whatever is left of the postseason, whatever you get to in the postseason, these are the only games that you for sure know will be competitive, that you for sure know will be the Thunder competing, will be, that you for sure know will be contending good Thunder basketball and not just some tanking slop. So enjoy them. Embrace these games inside the bubble. It's going to be a ton of fun. And that's a conversation we can have over and over again in the offseason, if they should tank, if they shouldn't tank. But let me know what you think on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. A full week ahead on Locked on Thunder. We're going to have to recap the Grizzlies game, recap the Wizards game, preview the Suns game, and then recap that game. There's so many games flying off the board over and over again. It truly is like March Madness right now inside the Disney World bubble. So let me know all of your thoughts on the Thunder on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. If you don't have Twitter, let me know your thoughts about the Disney World bubble on the email address lothunderpod at gmail.com. That's lothunderpod at gmail.com. Look out for a bonus episode of Lockdown Thunder where we do recap that Grizzlies game I normally only go Monday through Friday, but I think that a Monday show would have to be two hours long if we save the Grizzlies game and the Suns game for Monday, plus preview the Suns game. So I'm going to go ahead and drop another episode tonight uh, recapping the Grizzlies contest. So thank you all for listening. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.